Welcome to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible cultures. On this episode of Scaling Culture, we speak with Mike Cato. Mike is the former co-founder of Restaurants on the Run, former global board member of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, and is the current owner and CEO of Management Action Programs, the same consulting organization that helped him scale his first business. Mike speaks about how the hospitality industry drove his passion for culture, how clear systems of autonomy empowered his people, and his future with Management Action Programs. Mike, I'm going to jump right into it. Um, Look... Your past business, which you exited successfully, and congratulations, uh, Restaurants on the Run. I know through our relationship that culture was very important. That was a big piece of building that business for you. Yeah. But tell me, I want to go back in time. I love asking people, what what was your aha moment? And when I say that, what was the moment that you said, okay, I need to start working on culture, no different than I need to work on customer acquisition. I didn't really believe in that before or it wasn't important to me and now it is. Did you have one pivotal like, I need to really start paying attention to this, it's important? Um, I gotta be honest with you, Ron. It's like I had other aha moments, yeah. but culture wasn't one of them. And uh, you know, here's why. I grew up in the hospitality industry, you know, when I was in high school, it was like I wanted to make money. At 15 years old, I was making a buck an hour washing dishes at Sibby's Kitchen in Buffalo, New York, you know, on Friday night fish fry. And so I always understood hospitality. From there, I was washing dishes at Ponderosa, and I was waiting tables at 16 at Baker Square. So I was indoctrinated with this concept of service to others, yeah. this concept of, you know, serving others. That's why I always believed that, you know, I, you know my three boys, 11, 13, and 15, you know, if they're not in a detention center, by the time they're ready to have a job, <laughs> they're all working in restaurants. They're all going to learn what it means to, to serve other people and put someone else before you. So when we started Restaurants on the Run, myself with my two partners, Matt and Anthony, yeah. you know, we, we, we didn't know. I was 22, 23. We were in college. They were 20. Uh, we only knew two things. Those things we knew were not strategy. It wasn't core values. It wasn't business planning. We knew the importance of serving our customer and the importance of serving our employees. Right. That's all we knew. And everything we did from day one was built on that. And so I think that's, so my aha moment was probably when I was younger. Got it. And then just took that hospitality and that service to others, you know, forward into the business. But, but I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll challenge it a little bit because you would have, you would have at some point, you know, we all go through these you know, this roller coaster, it's up and down and up and down. The business needs different things at different stages. So I understand it sounds like when you guys were, you know, base camp starting off that that was critical to you. But at some point, it must have lost its way as you grew. And then you say, whoa, 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 how do we implement this? Because, you know, we always speak about cultures by default or by design. And yeah. and did you have a, a you know, a rough moment where you said, whoa, we're, we're losing that you know, our, your past aha moment, which this was critically important to you, it lost its way. And you said, no, oh, we better design the organization like this. Did you, did you go through that? Well, you know, listen, I, the, I, what I've learned is, you know, companies can, companies can go pretty far. You know, I don't know what the revenue target is, but my guess is, you know, you get to like, you can, a, an entrepreneur can put a company's culture on his back or her back, probably up to like, you know, 50 employees and including frontline people. Mm -hmm. And 
because the entrepreneur's optimism and excitement and passion is contagious. Yeah. But then something happens. You start to get a little bigger. You start to scale a little bit more and you start mm-hmm. to see things start to break. And the moment they broke for me was, I, I distinctly remember, we were probably about five or six million in revenue, probably 60, 70, 80 people in the okay. business. And, you know, we had, uh, we had raised, it was back in, right around the internet, right, right about when the internet was born, so to speak. So it was right, right probably around the year, the year 2000. We had, we had, we were, we were betting heavily on the internet at that point because we were a, a brick and mortar, you know, food delivery company. You would call us. We pick up the phone, we fax in order to a restaurant, and now we were transitioning into technology, web-based, and uh, you know we invested a bunch of money in some tech. It didn't work, you know, and, and I had to raise a little bit of money, so I raised a little bit of capital, you know, not much, you know, quarter million bucks, yeah. And at that time, ended up with some internet valuation, you know, for a six million dollar business. I'm like, this is really great. So we okay. took it, no strings attached, and I would meet with my investor on a pretty regular basis, regular being quarterly and he'd yeah. ask me questions about the business and, and, and all, I, I never had the right answers for him as related to profit. You know, I could talk about revenue, I could talk about people, I could talk about training, all this stuff, but I never had the right answer. And, uh, you know, finally one day he just got sick of it and he was like, Michael, you know, if this was a publicly traded company, we'd fire your ass as the CEO. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at that moment where I knew that, that things were broke, you know, that, that you ran over reached your head. Well, I was in over my head. He, in right. essence, told me, listen, Mike, you're, you're an entrepreneur. That's great. Okay. You're young, you're cocky, you're gritty. Okay. But like, you don't know what the hell you're doing as a CEO mm-hmm. of a scaling business. So that, was a, you that was a big moment. What'd you do? Well, I didn't know what to do. Did you so hit him? Heard, Did you hit him? Well, I thought about it. He's bigger than me. So, oh, uh, okay. I, uh, kept my cool. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really take it personally. I just sort of was like, okay, I get it. Cause I love learning, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, like you talk about, it. it's like one of the, one of, you know, when you, when you crossed off, when, you know, when you think around, when you write your book about what you love and you love connecting people and you love solving problems and you love learning, yeah. you know, and you know, that's critical. And I love learning. I loved it. So I went, I was in an, I was in EO, the entrepreneur's organization. I went to my forum. I told the story to my forum, you know, and you know, they didn't have a lot of the right answers at that point either, but one of them had had known of a consulting company and he didn't even mention it in the forum meeting. But like two weeks later, I get this phone call yeah. from a uh, from a consultant and he's like, hey, you know, so-and-so referred you, blah, 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 blah. And you know, normally I'm never taking these phone calls, but I took it and I actually decided to sign up for a workshop. And I went to a three-day workshop that was really a deep dive uh, on me as a CEO, you know, it was about, you know, you talk about it in your book. I don't know what chapter it was, but you talk about the CEO reflecting on themselves in order to take their game to the next level. And that was a moment where I I went to this workshop and it was a deep reflection on me Mm -hmm. as a leader. Okay. But also it was teaching me how to run my business professionally. So it said, Hey, we know you're an entrepreneur. Let's, let's dig deep. We don't want to change that. Let's look at what, what you're all about. Where, where are you good? Where are you bad? Talk to me. They surveyed all my people. I was in a peer group. The peers told me what they saw. Then they said, hey, so this, you need to work on this. But guess what? Here's a system that you can put into your business around you know, alignment and accountability that's going to help you run your business better. And uh, from that moment on, my life changed. Everything changed in my life. You know, For the next 15 years, I brought that consulting company in and uh, 
you know, my managers went through the workshop. I had a coach, literally, just like you talk about, you know, what's, you got to have, it's like an Olympic athlete not having a coach. I had a coach in my business working with me and my executive team every single month, half a day for 15 years. It changed everything. Well, look, let me, let me ask you, you know, when you went into that, most of us for the first time are, you know, we, 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 we don't know how to deal with the fact that someone's about to tell us our blind spots. And it sounds like that's the exercise you went through, i.e. Mike, here's where your challenges are today to get mm-hmm. to the next level. Here's what we're going to work, want to work on. How did that feel? How did, how, how did you feel hearing that, accepting that? What was that journey like? I was stoked. I was, lo- I loved it. Loved you it. Know, Cause to me, it was just like, it was just like, I like, I want to get to where I'm trying to go in the fastest, the, the most direct route. Right. Like, tell right. me, tell me where I'm screwing up. Right. I'm you just embraced it. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, listen, it's not about me anyways. I don't give a shit. Excuse my mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. I care about is the company, the people, the team, how are we going to get to where we want to go? Mm-hmm. That's it. Like it's, so let me, how am let I going to riff off? You, look, you scaled the company, what, 500 staff before it was sold? I think when we sold it, I thought it was 500, but I looked at all the contracts and all these people we had to convert. And it was like 600, I think. Wow. So, Un- so unbelievable. So how did you maintain culture? How did you maintain? You, you, you talked about originally, you know, it was to treat people well. How, how did mm-hmm. you, did you have a set of values, Mike? Yeah. How did you maintain culture and how did you, how did you sustain culture at that level? You know, I think, you know, listen, along the way you, you go through the exercise of developing your core values, living your core values, activating them. You know, but for us, when I think about what culture was for us, it, you know, even before we got systemized with everything, it was just, you know, we cared about people. And eventually that, tr- that started to translate into, you know what, we're going to trust you and we're going to train you and we're going to empower you. And right from the get go, we knew we wanted to build something bigger than ourselves. So we, it wasn't about, Hey, you know, the beginning it was like, I'm in there dispatching orders, doing all that we're taking orders, Yeah. you know, yeah, but as course. time progressed, people start, we were, I'll tell you one thing, Ron, we kept bringing people up from the bottom. And I mm-hmm. don't mean to say mm-hmm. the bottom, but new no, hires. I, I mean, when I say bottom, I mean, they're fresh out of high school, college, we promoted from within. Now we didn't, you know, our training was, we did the best that we could at the time, but we kept training them and people kept moving up, up, up into, into management roles. So I, people want to, people want to see that they want to be a part of that kind of culture. Yeah. And, you know, as the company started to grow and people started to get promoted and we started hiring people, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of momentum that is built by a, by a winning, you know, if you can, you can be a growing organization that's taking care of your people. Um, people want to be a part of that. So, so you, you said, you know, before we followed the process and developed our values, when, when did you do that? At what stage? Cause it wasn't when you were in your early twenties. When did you do that? Or roughly? You know, I think it was, you know, as I, as I was going through EO yeah, and, you know, just constantly being exposed to thought leadership being exposed to great speakers, whether it be John DeJulius on customer service, Vern Harnish on, on his, on his, on his program, you know, the company that, that map that I was working with, uh, you know, somewhere along the lines between, you know, probably in year seven or eight, we started to, to get a little more systemized about that type of stuff. So we developed our core values. We started activating those. Um, and then things happened as well. Like, figuring out the core customer and shifting the business model and that, 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 which I can tell you about in a sec too. So, so Mike, let me go back for a sec um, to promoting within, because I think a lot of people are scared to do that. 
And so, yeah. especially you talked about having these young people, you would have had to train, educate, um, you know, how, how did you maintain a culture of learning? How did you develop future leaders? What was the process? What did you do? Well, where things really started to take shape was when we, when we brought that, that coaching company in, you know, that was, that was all about us getting focused, um, getting alignment in the company, you know, and holding people accountable. So it was, it was, okay, what, what are the most important metrics? You call them simple, you know, simple metrics. We've tried to keep it as simple as possible. We yeah. started at the executive level. What are the key, we call them vital factors that we need to look at, mm -hmm. you know, and my executive team would look at that dashboard, you know, every month there were owners attached to it and we would goal set against it every single month. You know, right. we made sure and we'd, we'd sit there and ask ourselves what's working in the business, what's not working in the business. The coach mm -hmm. would work with us. We tie it to our business plan. But the, where, where everything changed was when we took that model, that little simple, simple process that we did yeah. at the executive level, and we pushed it into every department within the company. And how'd you do so that? Now, so we got really good at the executive level by working with the coach. And then one of my guys, Ryan, one of my, our top guys, and then different people like Mike and Doug in their departments, they would just take the exact process that we were doing and they would start running it in their departments, in their business. So the first thing would be, we'd go into each department, we'd define their key battle factors. So they'd look at their dashboard. Every Sorry, time. my key battle factors? What did you call that? Vital, vital. Vital factors. So, Sorry, vital factors. Vital. Right. And, and when I say vital, I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the Pareto principle. It's like the, the KPI? Can, yeah, KPI. Everybody okay. has, we can all look at a hundred yeah. metrics. Okay, KPIs. But what, I, what we really cared about at each at, in, at each level of the company and each department or vertical of the company was, yeah, we know you got like 30 metrics or KPIs, but we care about what's vital. What are the, you know, what's the 20, what are the 20% of those metrics that are really moving the needle on the business? Mm -hmm. And we would look at those by department and at a company level every single month. And everybody we would be goal setting against those every single month. So we had this cascading effect around, hey, we know what numbers we're looking at at, at the executive company level. We, mm -hmm. we know what we're looking at at each department, including operations and how they, how they lead into those numbers that we're tracking at the executive level. Everybody owned them. Everybody, every, there were individual owners. Everybody was goal setting, you know, on a, on a monthly basis. So everybody could see we had, it wasn't like, let's have a performance review every right. year or every quarter. Right. We had like real time performance. It was like, Hey, look at the last three days. How are you doing on what you're accountable to? And so coaching, coaching happened from there. I was just going to say, I want to talk about coaching. Tell me about the coaching process. Did you guys get it down to a science? I know it's important to you today, and, and you've doubled down on that in this whole process, yep. which I want to get to. But tell me about coaching. What, what did that look like? So there were a couple levels of coaching. There was the coaching that happened at the executive with the actual outside coach that worked with me and then worked with our team. Then every manager in the organization, and it's not like we had a ton of them because we had a lot of frontline people, uh, Every manager in the organization would have, we, we called it a MOP, a management operational plan, but that's, that's, it's, it's coaching session. So we would have probably, it, 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 we ended up settling on every other week. So twice a month, there'd be a one-to-one -one coaching session, you know, with each yeah. person in the organization with their boss. And that's where we're looking at, hey, how are you doing? What's working? What's not working? What, you know, how are you doing on what you're, what you're supposed to be getting done? You know, and, and then we talk, you know, let them pro solve, problem solve. And then we would, you know, recap, come back with them every other week just to make sure that the relationship was there. But the other thing, the other thing that was key in those, in that relation, in, in that coaching session is it wasn't just all about how their performance was at, at the company. I think where a lot of, a lot of us get it wrong is 
you know, we think that employee engagement is all about, you know, things that aren't necessarily true. And, and let me, let me finish what, what, where I'm trying to go with this is most companies will ask their employees and say, you know, how are you doing? They're holding them accountable. What they need to do They'll say, let's get you developed in this and this and this, because if you're doing this better, it's going to help drive the company towards its company, towards our vision. The part that we miss is that when do we ever take the time to ask them, what are they trying to do? You know, right, what are they, right. where, where are you trying to go and make sure that we're helping them lead, you know, get towards their dreams. It's this concept of, like, I believe like the, the, the cross between where you're helping them get to where they want to go and they're helping us get to where we want to go. That's right. where engagement exists. Ah, and, right. uh, that to me, that's everything. It's like, you know, I think, I think about your, uh, who's your HR person you mentioned, Jody in your book. Jody. Yeah. She's our COO now. Yeah. Okay. See Jody, Jody was, gonna, I, I had, I had, you know, Jody left your business. I mean, you could have said to her and tried to keep her, but you let her pursue her dreams. And I think, that's brilliant. And then she came back. I had a situation like that too. I had a, this super sharp kid, Andrew, he comes in, we're talking and he wasn't even my direct report and it doesn't matter. Cause I talked to everybody. And, and he said, uh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I'm like, great. Whatever you want, whatever I'm, well, let's take it. I want to suck everything out of you while you're here because you're amazing. But when you're ready to leave, you know, I'm going to support you and I'll be here for you. And, right. and that was really important. And, uh, and I think, our people knew that. Our people knew that while we were entrepreneurs, we were all about seeing them grow. And I still get phone calls and emails from people that are like, hey, I'm in 10 years, they're working at another company, but they're like, you remember that system we put in our business where we measured what was vital and we goal set against it? He's like, nobody knows how to run their business. He's like, I'm bringing that in and putting that in in my department and my new company. And like, my people are focused. We're totally aligned. We all know there's no we have great communication and everybody's doing their job. I'm right. like, yeah, you know, anyways. I love that. And so was that, was that something you all, Mike, or did you scale that? IE like, Hey, organization today, when we go into coaching sessions, you absolutely make sure you connect with the individual. Where do they want to go? Was it built into a process or yeah, was it more just a best practice? It's built into, it was, no, 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 it was more, it was, it was, pretty process oriented. Everybody had like a sheet that they fill out kind of like, right. like what they're, you know, just to kind of keep the meetings going on, you know, mm -hmm. and now you've got technology apps, all kinds of stuff to do that. So, but again, it's, you know, listen, Ron culture, you know, I laugh because I, I watch, you know, all the companies that have foosball tables and free lunch and all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, culture is way easier than that. Like that's, that actually, that's, that's not even culture in my mind. Okay. Right. Culture in my mind is like, I, I believe, so I talked about that cross section of engagement, yeah. you know, but it's really, to me, it's simple. It's simple. It's like, if you're developing your people, number one, which is what I talked about regarding that engagement. Yeah. And then you're holding them accountable, which is that system I talked about. If you do those two things, they're going to love working for you because they're going to feel they're a part of it and they're going to feel like they're on a winning team. And most importantly, most importantly, they're going to feel connected to their work. They're going to know that what they're doing fits someplace bigger, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fits into the strategy of the company. And that was always super important. Mm -hmm. You know, you had what, 15, like 1500 people on the, yeah. on the street. Oh, okay, yeah. We had five, 600, like those people on the front line need to understand. They need to connect to the purpose. They, they need to understand what we're about because they're the ones making the decisions on the front line. So they're so the ones that are face the customer. But Mike, how do, you, how do you go about, so the young kid that says, I want to be an entrepreneur, what's next? How do you, 
how do you take that young guy's vision and connect it in your company in the short term? How do you plug that? How, how do you plug that together? Listen, autonomy. They work. They make choices. They 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 try things. They do things. We give them that ability. They sit in these account. They're, they're accountable to, for things. They're doing right, the work. Right, right. We're elevating it. But it comes down to communication too. It's like you know, like recognizing, rec- you know, people want to be recognized. I mean, you said it, let's see, one of the things you said in your book was people want interesting work recognition and they like to, I don't even know if that was in your book, but I wrote it down on some of my notes here. Interesting work recognition. They'd like to be let in on what's going on in the companies. And then as I was taking notes, as I was reading your book, I started like, I started like drawing arrows to those things from, from different pages in your book oh, cool. because I, because it is, because like, to me, it's like people want to know, yeah. you know, they want, they want to have, they want to know, you know, they, they want to be doing stuff they love. They mm-hmm. want to be recognized for that. Okay. And we were able to do that because we'd make sure they were working on stuff. We'd have meetings every month to look at how they're doing, but then they need to know that their work connects to the strategy of the business. Right. Right. They need to know that. And if your frontline people understand that in my business, delivering food and making sure that the order was accurate, taking the time to make it sure it was accurate, and then setting it up in a really nice way, being on time, because the people eating that food were probably the CEO and executives of big corporations. You know, they got that. They knew how important that was. And we measured them on their ability to do that. So yeah, they communicated it. with them on it. So I'm going to, thanks, Mike. I love that. I, 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 that was super inspirational for me. And I, and I think it's very helpful. Um, I want to pivot. It would, I, there's no way I would ever have you on here without talking about you being global chair of entrepreneurs organization. When oh yeah, I, yeah, I did that. Yeah. When I, when I first met you, um, I think you were the global chair. I don't even, you know, I saw you speak a few times and I was always like, Oh my God, this dude is ramped up. He's got energy. Um, Ooh, bring yeah, so, it, baby. Gotta so bring it. Can you describe quickly just for everyone, what entrepreneurs organization is? And then I want to talk about, once you do that, I want to talk about, you taking over as global chairman, and, and I'll, I, I want to talk about specifically the culture and what, what happened there. Go ahead. Tell, tell everybody so what EO, you know. Entrepreneurs Organization used to be called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. You know, it's a global community of entrepreneurs. Right now, there's close to 15,000 entrepreneurs. And the purpose, the mission of the organization is to engage leading entrepreneurs that want to learn and want to grow. So leading a business is tough. Being an entrepreneur is tough, and it's lonely. So this is a community-based global organization. Uh, with chapters locally, um, but a global community. And so we, you know, we learn from each other primarily, you know, in small group settings, we learn from thought leaders and uh, we've really done a great job of connecting members in Halifax with members in Orange County, California, and uh, who I would never, would have, we would have never connected before, right. but all of a sudden we've connected on an intimate level. So, mm-hmm. so you, you, you come in as chairman and how long was that role? One, two years? So I was on the global board for three years. You know, I remember forget, I, you know, I, I was going to apply for the global board. It's all volunteer based organization. And I remember, you know, I was doing some local stuff. We were building programs for the organization with some, some great friends like Steve Curley in Toronto and, you know, uh, who, you know, well, Steve Curley, shout out to Stevie boy. And, uh, a lot of Blair Astley in uh, Edmonton, Todd in Iowa. And a lot of good man, Stewart, a lot of great people that we were working with Scott Fritz, uh, and we we're building systems to help scale the organization and to, and to grow the leadership base. And I remember it was my time to apply for the global board. And I just, and I said, I'm not going to apply right now because I feel like, like I was running a committee, a committee 
And I felt like we had more work to do. So I actually took a step back and then applied the following year. And I'll, I'll never forget getting a phone call from Sanjay in India. And he's like, would you like to be the, you know, join the global board and, and be the chairman? So I spent three years on the board and one year as the chairman, fiscal, wow. fiscal year uh, 2011. And so that was the first time you joined an organization that's volunteer. Tell me about, did you culturally align? I know EO has its own set of values, but what was that like? I want to hear your story. Well, like I said earlier, it's like, I'm all about learning and growing. Yeah. And, and the primary, the primary, I'd say the number one core value above all in EO is thirst for learning. Right. And so I think most, most people that join, most people, well, all, all of them are hungry to learn, I believe, you know, right. but a lot of them, most of them are humble enough to know that they don't know it all. And that, and to me, it's like, I want to be around people that are humble and thirsty and, mm-hmm. and that's what you get when you get EO. So I had a pretty good core value alignment with them and I'm pretty social. Excellent. And when, when I joined, it was, I met a lot of my greatest friends. Okay. So. Be- beautiful. And so, you know, this story came full circle. You talked about map before using that to really build systems and processes and coaching and and really an operating system behind your company. It sounds like that was super useful. And then when you sold, you went ahead and bought map. Yeah, I sold the business and, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was like, well, mate, what do I do now? Coach. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll be a coach. But then I started thinking about, I'm like, I like my freedom. I like my, you have three growing kids uh, and coaching might be just, just locking into the same stuff over and over again might be a little boring for me. And I'm like, I like to build things. Right. And, right. and if I was coaching, the only thing I even know how to coach would be what I learned from map and map teaches everything. They have a system they put in their business and they trained us on the six functions of management. Mm-hmm. So anything there is about business, you know, map teaches and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I looked at them two years after I actually started, I was looking at them the whole time and, uh, and I, we sat down and the, the, the chairman of the board was my coach for 15 years. And, uh, you know, they, they're at this point, they're a 60 year old company and they needed some new direction and fresh. Was the chairman the founder or not? Was he the founder? No, 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 no. Okay. The founder passed away. He's, you know, 60 okay. years old. And so, uh, so who owned it when, when he passed? Who, they were, who well, Eric Gilbright, Eric was the, uh, was the founder. And then, uh, it was an ESOP at the time that I bought it. So, uh, Lee, we thought it was a great idea. Approached the board, talked to the board. They loved it. Uh, and so just over two years ago, I, I bought the ESOP out, purchased great. the whole company and, uh, didn't bring on any investors because I wanted to pick my partners. Cause I knew that, you know, listen, I'm not, I want to work on the business, work on business development strategy, speaking, connecting. And so I wanted to save the equity so that um, as we were building the right team to scale right. this thing and figuring right. out the model, I could, I would, I would have that equity available for my key people. So, so you come into a 60 year old organization. There is no way, I'm just going to say, there's no way that culturally this fits like a glove, like that your value, no high energy, I'm running fast. Mike Cato fits with, I don't want to call it a dinosaur, but at 60 years, yeah. set in your own ways for sure. Well, how do you do that? Yeah. Tell me, did they have a set culture and you're like, Whoa, this is a bad fit. How how did that? Well, the good news is, is they knew I was one of their biggest fans. Um, and I was part of their brand a little bit because they would show a video of me and all their workshops about what it was like when I, what changed when I found map. And so 
everybody was excited about it. But I knew I was coming into a very old culture, and I know, and I know that that kind of culture is not going to change. So I did one thing. The first, as as I thought about it, I'm like, you know, because you come in and you're like, oh, I want to change this, I want to change that, I want to do this. And I did one thing. I looked at the business, and with the help of their former president, he helped me see this. I looked at the purpose, their mission as a company, which yeah. was basically to create breakthrough results in companies. And I said, we're going to have one goal for the first year. I said, our one goal is to create is to is to grow from X to Y with what they call system clients. Those are clients that were in there every single month. I said, that's the goal. We're going to take George. No, no top five. I go, we have one goal this year to grow from X to Y with this client. And the reason is, is because if we create a system client, a client that we're in there every single month on, that's the best way that we're going to create breakthrough results in that company. So I mm-hmm. took one goal. I tied it directly to the purpose of the company. Yeah. And not a single person questioned it. So you didn't touch the culture. You didn't touch it. No. Couldn't. Okay. And where mm-hmm. is it at now? Is it, is this something you want to, sh- in a perfect world, you may, you wave a magic wand. Do you want to shift the culture or not? Is the culture great? Not shifting the culture. Not, it's not possible to shift the culture at this point of that business because it's, it's a different, the culture has been set. I don't want to shift the culture. And here's why I mean, there's pieces of it. I could shift. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't say you can't shift it. There's so that culture is so zeroed in and so passionate about the purpose of that organization that that's all that matters. I don't want to change that at all. At so, all. And so Mike, in fact, anybody, anybody that I bring into that culture, right. I don't even, I want to hire. The only people I want to hire are people that have been clients. That's right, it. Right. Because those clients, they know the system. They're super, everybody you meet passionate about the system, about the company. So I only want to hire those people. So I don't want to change that culture. Got it. So, so it sounds like you knew the organization and you knew what you were walking into. You didn't want to change the culture because you, you, you know, there was an alignment there. So you walked in knowing, look, I'm coming in to fit the culture. I'm not here to change the culture. Exactly. But, but there will be a Mike, new get, company. What, what is the, but the, but is this, there will be another company built on yes. the strong capabilities of that company. Meaning the IP is amazing. The right. process, the content, the people. But as we look at innovation and disruption, you know, the things that we that I want to do now around scaling the the business, digitizing things, virtual, those are hard to put on top of that business. Meaning, there's going to have to be a separate division or a separate company that will leverage all of right. the wonderful things that this company stands for, mm-hmm. because. The culture of the new company that's very digital and very yep. global will yep. be slightly different than that. the purpose will be the same, but the culture will be different. And so, you know, I learned from Clayton Christensen at, at, at Harvard, like you, and we were there to, wait, were you, did you do the HBS program for EO? EMP. We were at EMP year one. We did EMP and then I did yeah. Harvard and, you know, I learned, you know, you've got to, you've got to think through those things. You can't try to take a completely different business model and throw it on, you know, an older school model. So we're going to, the new, what we're building over here will have the same purpose, but a little bit of a different culture. Thank you, Mike Cato, for sharing your incredible story. If you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, you can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For more information on how to connect with the Scaling Culture community, please see the show description. We'll be back soon with another great guest.